Good morning, everyone. It's a pleasure to be here. First of all, I want to thank Rachel and her team for a tremendous job. The songs alone were worth the price of admission. Uh, and thank you for everyone who participated and shared and prayed and read. It was all beautiful. The following article was dated December 9th of last year, the infamous 2020. It appeared in the Associated Press under the headline, Michigan Medical Student Finds Over $1 Million Treasure in Rocky Mountains. It read, a medical student from Michigan has been identified as the finder of a chest filled with over $1 million in treasure that was stashed in the wilds of Wyoming over a decade ago. Retired art and antique dealer Forrest Femme hid the chest filled with coins, gold nuggets, and other, valuable, uh, other valuables estimated in value between one and three million dollars right there in the Rocky Mountains. In June, the 32-year-old Jonathan Jack Stoof unearthed the treasure. We're going to talk about the parables again today. And we're gonna to consider two men. Uh, David read the portion, it's just three verses. One who discovered hidden treasure and the other one who found the most valuable pearl he had ever seen. We'll draw lessons from the stories of the two men. We'll also consider one who offers the most valuable possession to us and what should we do to get it? The message will be divided into three parts. First, some background information to help us. Second, the text itself, the stories. And third, the takeaways, uh, things to use in our lives as we're going forward. First of all, some background. To understand these two parables, we need to know how the wealthy preserved their valuables in Jesus' day. Not an investment firm, not a bank, not a lockbox someplace, but number one, to bury it in the ground. William Barclay writes, to modern Western ears, this may sound a most unlikely story, but as usual, Jesus was telling of something that happened frequently in Palestine. Palestine was a land of wars. At any time, a man's back garden might become a battleground and his house looted. And so to hide one's valuables in the ground was one of the commonest ways of preserving one's property. The rabbis indeed had a proverbial saying, there is only one safe repository for money, the earth. Interesting. So the first thing they did is they could bury the treasure their valuables somewhere on their property, in a field nearby, perhaps. The second thing they did was to convert the wealth into valuable portable items like jewelry. And this is exactly what they did. Alexander McLaren says, uh, another man might prefer to carry about his wealth with him. So he went and got jewels, easily carried, not easily noticed, and easily convertible into what he might require. Interesting. In Jesus' day, if you were wealthy and you wanted to preserve that wealth, those are two alternatives. Get out a, a pick and shovel and dig the ground and plant it someplace, of course, remembering where it was, or converting it to something as valuable as a jewel or, in this particular case, a pearl, we'll see. One other bit of background information before we dig into the text. 
Um, we also need to know that these parables are an invitation to enter the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is, is constantly said in these parables. Men and women are sinners before a holy God and need to accept Christ's death as payment for sin. That's what Christ taught. That's what the disciples taught. Romans 3.23 says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. How many? All. All of us. Romans 6.23 says, for the wages of sin is death. That's the punishment. That's the danger. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So what's the kingdom of God? The kingdom of God is the rule of God, where the Lord and his followers are together. They live with him in blessing, happiness, peace, and joy. In part, it's the church. The Lord Jesus uses the two stories here to explain why the kingdom is most valuable and proclaim the need to immediately accept it. It's dealing with the sin in a person's life. The emphasis is on finding the valuable treasure. So now let's look, at the, let's look at the text. What do these stories say? Well, first, the treasure hidden in a field. It goes real fast. It's one verse. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. Well, let's just look at the elements. The kingdom of heaven is described in the first parable as treasure. That place where God wants us to be, the place made possible by the death of Christ on the cross, what we call salvation, the kingdom of God is a treasure. The word literally means a deposit. Being in the banking industry in the past, I know what a deposit means, and you do too. It was hidden in a field, perhaps by the previous owner. Commentators had different thoughts about that. If, in fact, it was the previous owner, he figured out it was there, or maybe he died. The new person took over. The man who found this treasure may have been a day laborer. People were hired literally for the day, and they worked for several hours, and then they were paid. Stories like that are mentioned by the Lord himself. So he probably was working the field, and then he discovered something and dug, and dug, and there was this treasure. He didn't want anybody to know about it, so he quickly hid it, shoveled the dirt back on top of the hole. But he was elated. He felt joy because of the treasure he had found. To gain this treasure, he went and sold all he had so he could buy the field. He sold everything he had to buy the field because the treasure was that important to him. This was unbelievable treasure. The Lord is having us think in terms of the kingdom of God is buried treasure. The second story, the pearl of great price. Two verses. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. So the kingdom of God is described as a merchant. He buys wholesale, sells it to someone else who sells at retail. They're called traders, dealers, merchandisers, whatever. 
the merchant spent all of his time looking for valuable pearls. He had a knack of quickly determining the value of a pearl. Have you ever gone to a jeweler? And they know. They got a good idea of what this is worth. Then it happened. He came upon someone who had available to him an incredible pearl. Now, back then, pearls were like diamonds are today. This was an incredible find. When he found it, one of great value, he knew it was the find of a lifetime. It was the end of all of his searching. He could retire on this one. At this point, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. The merchant rushed away to sell all he had for the most valuable pearl he had ever seen. No time wasting there. Two stories, finding treasure in a field, a day laborer, and then finding the pearl after seeking so long, the pearl of great price. So what is the message of these parables? They really were put together so that we could get a message from the Lord. So I've jotted down some things that make these parables important to us, especially to those who are seeking to know the Lord in salvation. The kingdom is priceless in value, just like the treasure that was buried, just like the incredible, beautiful pearl. Accepting Christ as your Savior is priceless now and in eternity. John 10.10 says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. The kingdom is priceless. Secondly, the kingdom is not obvious to people. This is interesting. The treasure was hidden. The pearl had to be sought. Those who are outside of Christ can now see Jesus Christ as we explain him even today. Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. It just sort of came about. John 20, verses 14 to 16, talks about the resurrection scene and Mary. At this, Mary turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. Woman, he said, why are you crying? Who is it if you are looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. The point of that interaction was she didn't see that the answer to everything was there, that Jesus Christ, her Savior, was there and alive. The kingdom is not obvious to people. It's hidden, or it has to be sought. Number three, the kingdom must be personally accepted. This is important. Those who wish to decide for the Lord must accept him personally. Personally. Luke 23, 40 to 43 says, but the other criminal rebuked him. This is the time on the cross. Christ is on the cross and the two criminals on either side. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence? 
we are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him, I tell you the truth. Today, you will be with me in paradise. The kingdom must be personally accepted. Each one of us has to make that choice. The fourth item, the kingdom must be accepted quickly. Yeah, I mentioned that. Look at these two people. In the one case, as he looked down, the day laborer realized, look what is here. He didn't waste any time. He went quickly on and he got his money together, bought the field. The merchant, he saw something he knew was valuable. Perhaps the other person didn't. And he nearly knocked himself over getting out of there and getting his money together and buying that pearl. The kingdom must be accepted quickly. Second Corinthians 6, 2 says, I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. Those seeking Christ in salvation must do it quickly. Number five, the kingdom is the true source of real joy. Seems like everybody wants to be happy. Everybody wants that deep joy in their lives. As trials come and go, as pandemics come and go, they want joy. The kingdom is the true source of joy. The one who turns to the Lord Jesus Christ finds complete joy in his or her life. Complete joy. Not something that goes away. The Lord speaking, John 15, 11, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. The joy of the Son of God will be in us when we trust Christ as our Savior. And we will have complete joy. Next, the kingdom is open to those who find it by accident and those who seek it. What do I mean by that? Well, in the first instance, it was an accident. He was in the right place at the right time, as they say. He happened to be working in that part of the field. Maybe it was toward the end of the day, he was ready to quit. But all of a sudden, there was something hard beneath the surface. He looked. No one was looking. He looked carefully. He opened the box, and there was more money than he could ever imagine. It was an accident. Or was it? The other was searching over and over, day in and day out, finding pearls. One of these days, I may be lucky enough to find the most valuable one. The Lord Jesus Christ, in telling this story, is talking about the treasure and talking about the pearl. And he's talking about in terms of how we find him. Sometimes God is looking for us before we look for him. I like that. Sometimes God is looking for us before we look for him. There's the story of the cross, going to the cross, Matthew 27, 32. As they were going out, they met a man from Cyrene named Simon, and they forced him to carry the cross. He had no interest in Christ at the time. He was just passing through because of the feast. 
he didn't really want to do this, but he was forced to do it. Sometimes God is looking for us before we look for him. And the second thing is an interesting story. Justin Martyr, one of the greatest of the second century fathers, tells us how he had wandered from philosophy to philosophy until he finally found the elusive secret, secret of peace in Christianity. There it was seeking. And lastly, number seven, the kingdom requires a full commitment from us. The day laborer sold everything he had to get that treasure. The merchant sold all that he had to get that pearl. It means letting go of everything we are relying on in our life and placing all our trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, I'll make it. When I get to God, I'll explain what's going on. Uh, I have a, a very, very religious friend, and he's told me I'm okay. No, it's relying only on the Lord Jesus Christ and his salvation, and he's done it all. It's a present. It's a gift. Paul wrote in Philippians 3.8, What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I might gain Christ. Pretty cool. But there's one other important point, and I just came upon this as I looked at everybody and his brother and what they had to say about these three little verses. Look again at the parable of the merchant in Matthew 13, 45 and 46. I won't read it. You could look at it. Some scholars have suggested that the pearl represents men and women that God the merchant wants for the kingdom. One more time. Some scholars have suggested that the pearl represents men and women that God as the merchant wants for the kingdom. Kind of giving it the divine side perspective in understanding the kingdom of God. Why do you say this? Well, number one, the merchant was looking for fine pearls. The Lord is looking for you who don't know him as savior. He really is. Back in the day, when Billy Graham films, Christian films were out there, uh, they kept mentioning the phrase, the hound of heaven in one of those films. It was talking about the Lord seeking us. That's exactly what's going on here. If you look at the story from God's side, the merchant was looking for fine pearls. The merchant was looking for you. The merchant was looking for me. Number two, he regarded the pearl as being of great value. God sees you who haven't trusted him as of great value to him. Incredible. First of all, he's looking for us. Second of all, he wants us to be with him because he thinks we are worth it. We know we're not, but he thinks we are. God sees you who haven't trusted his, um, him as of great value to him. Isaiah 55, 8 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. Thank you, Lord, for seeking us and for seeing us of great value. And there's one more. The merchant sold everything he had and bought it. God's son bought you and me 
by giving his life for those outside of Christ. He died. Everything we read about the cross, you look at a crucifix. It's an image of Christ dying on the cross, crown of thorns on his head, spear wound in his side. We can read the story we see. It's incredible. The merchant sold everything he had and bought it and bought us. So those three things, merchant was looking for fine pearls. The merchant regarded the pearl as of great value and the merchant sold everything he had and bought it. Just an interesting way of looking at the kingdom of God. You have both. Okay, let's look at some takeaways. For those who don't know the Lord as Savior, if you visited your doctor during the pandemic, you were asked to complete a questionnaire about your health and recent travel. Remember that? Some of you may have experienced that. Where have you been? How are you feeling? Do you have any cold symptoms? Do you have any sore throat? Whatever. Well, I put together a, a questionnaire designed to help your thought process if you're in the position of trying to decide, should you apply for the kingdom of God, if you will, if you should receive the Lord Jesus Christ as your savior. Here are the questions. Number one, do you value, do you see the value rather of the kingdom? Yes or no? You see the value that valuable possession, more valuable than that pearl, more valuable than the treasure in the case. Number two, do you clearly recognize that Jesus died for you? Yes or no? Do you clearly, uh, sorry, do you realize that you must personally receive Christ? Personally, you, not everybody here in the building, not everybody here at your house, personally receive Christ. Christ, yes or no? Do you understand that you must act quickly? Now is the accepted time in the old English. Now is the accepted time. Yes or no? Do you want to receive joy in your life? Well, that should be a yes, but it's yes or no. You want to rely on Jesus alone. Not I, but Christ liveth in me. Yes or no? Do you realize that God desires you to be his very own? You. We can be honest with each other. We can be honest with ourselves at the very least. God is getting the raw end of the deal. But he desires you to be his own. Do you know that God considers you valuable? Yes or no? And lastly, do you see just how much the Savior gave up for you? He died for you. Romans 10, 9 sums it up that if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Starting your spiritual journey, starting your true spiritual journey. Quickly, for those who already know the Lord as Savior. One of my favorite stories in the Old Testament has to do with four men who became heroes in Israel many, many years ago. It seems that the city of Samaria was surrounded by the armies of King Aram. The result was a devastating famine that was killing the inhabitants of the city. Four men with leprosy who lived at the gate decided to leave the city and surrender to the king. 
They figured they had nothing to lose, starve to death or surrender. By this time, God created the sound of an enemy army and the king and his troops fled the area. But off they went. They didn't know that. Book of 2 Kings tells the rest of the story. 2 Kings 7, 8 to 9. The men who had leprosy reached the edge of the camp and entered one of the tents. They ate and drank and carried away silver, gold, and clothes and went off and hid them. They returned and entered another tent and took some things from it and hid them also. Then they said to each other, we're not doing right. This is a day of good news and we are keeping it to ourselves. If we wait until daylight, punishment will overtake us. Let us go at once and report this to the royal palace. Isaiah says in 43.10, you are my witnesses, declares the Lord. A witness is one who tells what he or she saw. Sometimes we as Christians get hung up on explaining all the details, everything we've ever read in scripture about salvation. The important thing is just tell what happened Tell about the treasure. Tell about the kingdom of God and how wonderful it is as you've gone through the tough parts of life. And God's there, even as Christine was talking about it. Bang, knock down, all the stuff that was going on. And yet, God was there and provided mercy and kindness. This is the day of good news, they said. So our admonition to Christians today, after you've heard all of this about salvation, it's really a good deal. Let us tell about the treasure we have found. Let us tell about the Savior who desires and loves our friends, our family, our neighbors, and others. Because he's there. Let's close our time in prayer. Dear Father, we thank you for what you've said in these three little verses. And those stories. What must it have been like? if they were real, that person who was the day laborer, that person who was the merchant, but amazing stories. And you brought that truth out to us through what the Lord spoke in that parable, those two parables. Oh, Father, if there's anyone on Zoom today that has never accepted Jesus Christ as Savior, relying on themselves, not aware of what was there, that it is treasure knowing Jesus Christ and being part of his kingdom. May they do so today. May they tell someone too. And Father, for those of us as Christians, we have a job to do. And unfortunately, we're not being very good at it. We ask for help, lead us and direct us. It's not right that we keep silent. Let us be witnesses for you. Continue to bless as we conclude the service today. Thank you for CBC. Thank you for our pastor and for all that we enjoy here even as we're away. Thank you for your blessings in Jesus' name. Amen.